0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 6th of December 2015, entitled Belief and Baptism Without a Birth, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 8, verses 9 to 24. His Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Okay, let's take our scripture reading this morning. As we look back, we, uh, uh, we began with this thought uh, Sunday before last, before our conference last week in Acts chapter 8, and uh, we'll be reading verses 9 through 24 there. Acts chapter 8, 9 through 24. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word before us. Acts chapter 8, verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, who before time in the same city used sorcery, bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. To him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. When they believed Philip preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. When the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet it was he was fallen, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. When Simon saw that through having through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Father." We thank you again this evening that we have the privilege of looking into your Word. We have the privilege of that Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us. Now, Lord, we pray for your help this evening. We pray, Lord, that you would take, speak to our hearts, give us that which we need here this morning. You know every person under the sound of my voice. You know every heart and the need thereof. So, Lord, we depend upon you to do the work that only you can do, For your glory and your glory alone, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. We began looking at this man, Simon, like I say, Sunday before last. Our thought as we look at these verses here is belief and baptism without a birth. Belief and baptism without a birth we found that as we looked with many things that we looked at, but we saw specifically in verse 12, it said, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. When they believed, the message that, that Philip was preaching to them He says specifically concerning the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, they believed and then they were baptized. But we find as we look on down that amongst this group, the Bible tells us in the very next verse that this one, which remember was a sorcerer. He had bewitched the people for many years. Then Simon himself believed Also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. These people who had been under the power of Simon, we talked about how could this man Simon, how could one believe and be baptized and still not be born again? We began by looking last week at this reading that, first of all, he had a wrong view. You know, it's, it's sometimes very, very possible for people to be in the same place, see the same things, hear the same things, and yet get a totally different view of what's going on. It's interesting sometimes when police go to take eyewitness, what do they call them, testimonies, <laughs> When somebody sees something that uh, has gone wrong, whether it be a, a, an accident or whether it be some, something that somebody has done that uh, uh, you know is very, very bad or, or wrong, like murder or something like that, when they, they take these eyewitnesses and they ask them what they have seen. And it's amazing many times how that so many people in the same place, the same incident that's taken place, and yet what they have seen can be very, very different. The descriptions of the people, the descriptions of what went on, Well, here in this account here, we find that Simon, the sorcerer, he was amongst all these other people that had believed and were baptized and following the Lord. He also had believed and was baptized, but there was something different. How could he have been in the same place, heard the same sermons? How could he have Believed what he was hearing and yet even follow the Lord in baptism and continue to follow Philip and yet not be right with God. Well, first of all, we saw that one of the things that he had a wrong view of was himself. He saw himself in the wrong way because the Bible told us in verse 9 that he saw himself as being great. He saw himself, it says in the very Uh, last part of that verse, giving out that himself was some great one. He saw himself as being great, and he wanted everybody else to know that he was great. He led others to believe that he was great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. He thought he was something great. He tried to lead everybody else to think that he was something great you know his real problem was pride he saw himself as something special he saw himself as one that could do special things he did not see himself as a lost sinner we find that for anyone to truly come to believe you see we mentioned again in the first part of this sermon that even the devils believed and trembled but they weren't saved <laughs> It's possible to believe something in your mind only, to believe it and know it to be absolute fact, and yet still not act upon it. What was it that was different? Well, this man, Simon, he had a wrong view of who he was to start with, but secondly, may I say, he had a wrong view of what salvation was. Remember, he was hearing the same sermons The preaching that he was hearing was clearly the truth. That's what happened there in verse 12. When they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. The others were hearing the same message, but they were hearing it and believing it and being saved. You see, the the message that was being preached was true. People were believing. People were being baptized. True confessions were being made through faith. A true gospel was clearly being presented there. Simon believed also, it says. It says that he was baptized. It says that he was following Philip, the one that that God had sent there. What was different? Well, I'm sure there wasn't anything different. He was baptized in the same water as all the rest. So the baptism was the same. We know that what he saw and heard was the same message because he was there listening to the same preacher with the same messages being preached about God's kingdom and about the Lord Jesus Christ. So the baptism wasn't any different. The message that he heard wasn't any different. What does it leave? It leaves that somehow that even though the truth was being preached... And even though that message was true in all of his ways, what he believed, because the Bible says, then Simon himself believed also. We have to know that he had to believe something different. What the others believed had saved them. What was it that he didn't believe the same thing? Now, remember the influence. This guy was a guy that the Bible teaches had great influence over these people. They actually saw him as being a great power of God. And of course, all of these people suddenly getting saved, that would certainly have had an impact and an effect on, on that. The Bible tells us how that he was, he was amazed at all the, the miracles that were taking place. It said there in verse 13, as he continued with Philip, and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. We find that he certainly knew that Philip had some kind of power. As a matter of fact, we find later on a power that he himself wanted for himself. You see, what it really seems here is that what Simon was believing, what he was seeing, it wasn't that he doubted who Jesus was. It wasn't even that he doubted that Philip was doing some wonderful miracles. He was amazed at the things that were being accomplished by by the man of God. He believed that these things were being accomplished. But it seems as we look at this passage that his belief was an external belief, not an internal belief. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, salvation to him must have been like to so many people today. Something ritualistic, something that they go through. They say, yeah, I'm saved because they sit in the same church, they listen to the same sermon, they hear the same gospel preached, and maybe they react to that. Maybe they even go forward in a service and maybe they, they, they kneel in an altar and maybe they, maybe they pray a prayer. Maybe they go through some kind of formality of thing that they have seen others do. But it's all external. You see, they have performed something externally. And I've met many people like this when I ask them about their testimony and how that they know that they're they're saved and that they're right with God. And so many times it's because of what they have done, where they have been some act that they have performed. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church at Corinth, we have a very, very familiar passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, literally could be translated creation, He is a new creature. He is a new creation in God. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, a faith that does not transform a life is the wrong kind of faith. It's not a saving faith. With a saving faith, a person is transformed. They're not just remodeled. They are made new. They are a new creation in Christ Jesus. James said this way in James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. He says, What doth it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works." Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now, we can look at a lot of things there, and you've heard me tell you before, and we know from Scripture, he's not saying that you have to work in order to be saved. He's saying there is something missing in your faith just like those devils when they believe and tremble, but they are not saved. He said, if there's not a transformation, if your life hasn't changed, you see today, people get upset sometimes because you talk about a Christian life is one that there should be a holy life. There should be a difference in our lifestyle than the world out there. We are supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be different. Folks, we can't work, and that's what James is saying. You know, you can't work, but there's something wrong. If you tell me that you've got faith, and yet there's nothing there that's a result of that faith, it's a dead faith if there's nothing coming from it. And you know, as we read about Simon the sorcerer, he believed the facts. He believed in the things that were going on. But he wasn't saved. It was not a saving faith. It clearly was something that he believed all the external things, but nothing had taken place in his heart. Nothing had transformed him into another person. We find that John tells us in the Gospel of John, chapter 2. Notice what it says, verse 23 John chapter two, verse 23 says, now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles, which he did. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. When Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, the Bible says, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles that he did, but... Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. You see, these knew that there was something different. They believed in what they saw Jesus doing, but Jesus knew their heart. He saw what was on the inside. He didn't commit himself to them because what they were believing externally was not a belief that had changed them internally. Simon obviously believed that the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the things that he saw as a result of the power of God, he obviously thought those things were real. He wondered at those things, but not in the one that was responsible for those things. He believed those things, but not in the one, not in Jesus himself. You see, to view salvation for what it really is, to experience true salvation is not merely professing externally some creed or some some truths, some facts. It's not going through some religious ritual Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. No prayer has ever saved anybody. People think they're saved because they said, I'm sorry, because they prayed some prayer. Prayer is an access to God. Only God can save, and only men can be saved when their faith and trust is totally and completely in the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished. We can believe all this religious stuff. We can believe that it's real, That in itself does not change our hearts. Salvation is a transformation of the soul by God himself. No, it can't be explained. It's hard to grasp it. Even when you're the one that's been there and you're the one that's been changed, I myself can look back at what is almost a different person far, far, far from from perfection yet. But to even comprehend and understand some of the things that I could do in the flesh is mind-boggling. You see, there is a transformation that takes place, transformed from, as Simon, the love of self, how, how great he is and how great that he wants everybody else to see him, Transformed from that to the love of God. Transformed from the love of sin and the world and the fame and and what all this world can do to a love of holiness. To a love of being with God and being like God. Simon had a grand view of himself, but he had a very shallow view of salvation. He saw himself as a great person, able to do great things, and he wanted to be able to do even greater things. Everybody saw him as a power of God. He wanted to be able to do some of those things that he saw, that he believed were the power of God. He wanted to do those things himself, and he was willing to pay for them. Simon clearly had a very wrong view of who he was and of what salvation was. He also had a very, very wrong view of who God was, and especially who the Holy Spirit was. You see, he said there in verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come, come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. News traveled back to Jerusalem. They heard about the revival that was taking place under the preaching of Philip down in Samaria. And so they immediately sent help along. Now remember, this was very early days for the church. The apostles were, if you would, the foundation of that church that was being built. These apostles back in Jerusalem, when they heard what was happening through Philip, they went down there to help. They went down there to help them in a lot of ways, undoubtedly to make sure that the work that was there was a work of God, to sanction it with the new blessing, but also they went there to pray for them to receive the Holy Ghost, which the Bible says at that point they had not yet received. Now to understand that in light of later scriptures, we've got to take into consideration where we were with the church, the transitional stage the church was in at this time. We've got all kinds of of messages on the Holy Spirit if you want to go back and listen to them. The period of waiting between salvation and the receiving of the Holy Spirit is not necessary according to Scripture itself now as it was in those early days. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, the Scriptures make a very, very clear statement speaking of The having of the Holy Spirit as a Christian. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says this, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Okay, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You see, our only hope of acting in the Spirit is for the Holy Spirit to live within us. If the Holy Spirit isn't living within us, then we don't belong to Christ. There is no other way to be saved. The Spirit is the one that draws us. The Spirit is the one that takes up residence within us there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 13, he says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. In the early days of the church there was a lot of reasons why that we see taking place here what took place. You know the, the truth is is that God was establishing his church. He had to give some kind of evidence, of proof, of signs that these apostles were his men. That's what the apostolic signs were all about. They didn't have the written word of God yet that you and I have today. So God had to use these men in a special way to show who they were and that they were working for him. We find that God did a lot of things that he did Because remember, up until this point, God had been working through the nation of Israel. Now, he's moving to the entire Gentile world, Jews and Gentiles, all alike in Jesus Christ. There is no difference in Jesus Christ. Wherever you come from, it's all the same. We can look at many reasons, but what we have to understand is that in this case, Simon had a wrong view of God and the Holy Spirit just as Many do today. Simon was so impressed by what was taking place here. It says in verse 18, And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered the money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. He was so impressed. Remember, he already, he he knows, he thinks, he is a great man. And he wants to make sure everybody else knows how great that he is. He believes, he sees all these things that these apostles are doing. Man, I want to be able to do that too. We find that he had this idea that he could somehow buy the power of God in his life, that he could purchase it. With money, and he offered the money. Come on, tell me your secret. How can I do what you're doing? How can I add this to my bag of tricks? Is what he was really wanting to do. He already had a bag of tricks as a sorcerer, this was something else that he wanted. And so he was really just treating these apostles like they were one of his fellow practitioners in black magic. <laughs> You know, he just, he just wanted to be able to get into their tricks to add to the ones that he already had. Anyone with a true view of God, with a true view of God's workings through the Holy Spirit would know without any shadow of a doubt that you can't buy God and you can't buy God's power. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 55, he put it this way. He said, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye. Buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. He says, we're talking about here what? You don't need physical money to buy. You can't buy this with those things that you have. Many today they still have a wrong view of God, and his working through Christ and the Holy Spirit. They will futilely try to do things just as Simon was here trying to buy this blessing or power in his life. They'll try to make some kind of a deal with God, that they can have this in their lives. Peter was so upset. Notice his words in verse 20, but Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thy money perish with thee. The word there is so strong in the original, perish, as perishing eternally in hell. And money perish with he, J. B. Phillips, the old commentator. He said, in essence, what he was saying when he was talking about him and his money perishing is to hell with you and your money. Your money and you will perish in hell. That's the strength of the language that's being used here. At the audacity of him blaspheming God and blaspheming the Holy Spirit in such a way that he thinks that he can make a deal with him and purchase the power of God in his life. And all along, he was just wanting to make himself even bigger, even grander in the eyes of people. These guys were able to do something that he couldn't. He wanted to be able to do that as well. You see, He saw God, the Holy Spirit, and the works of God as just some commodity that could be bought and sold some way. We find that, in actual fact, the view that he had of the Spirit was total blasphemy. This man, he believed and was baptized, and yet unless something happened that later than what it tells us here he perished in hell with all of his bags of tricks and money hearing the same message following the same people but having an external religion instead of an internal transformation he had a totally wrong view of who he was he had a totally wrong view of what God's salvation was he had a totally wrong view of God's spirit and God's workings may I say finally, he certainly had a totally wrong view of sin. What did Peter say? Verse 21, thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right with God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. There's only one answer to sin. All through the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament. Brother Steve, there's only one action repent, repent, repent. Simon had a totally wrong view. <laughs> you see, Peter condemns Simon's sin boldly and clearly. And immediately he tells him what it is, and he tells him, You best repent. He's challenging Simon to see his sin for what it is, to see it as God sees it, to turn away from it. You see, only through true repentance could the thought, the intent of his heart be forgiven. There was no other way. Peter's using this time. He says there in verse 23, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. He's using these strong expressions to underline the seriousness of this man's sin. Simon, stop and look where you are. Look at your condition, Simon. Recognize the sin that is in your life. Recognize the sinner that you are. What does he do? Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Now, I do not see Simon very convinced of his sin, but... Simon didn't want the bad things to happen to him. You see, you can ask a lot of people today, I, you know, I don't know any other way to put it except that no fool in the right mind wants to go spend eternity in a place like hell. Nobody. You know, Simon didn't want the bad things to happen in his life. He didn't want to have to face these things. I mean, Peter said, hey, You're getting the wrath of God on you, buddy. You better straighten out and turn around and get this thing sorted out with God while you still got breath in your body, while you can do something about it. Steve, will you pray for me that those things won't happen to me? We don't don't see him getting on his knees before God and admitting his sin and asking for forgiveness. Somebody else, will you pray for me that these things aren't going to happen to me? He didn't want the bad things to happen to him but we don't see any change in his life whatsoever. Many people today, they want to avoid bad things in this life. Many of them that don't really even have any grasp, we for all honest, none of us really understand heaven and hell, do we? <laughs> none of us really understand how good heaven is or how bad the hell is. We've got some pretty graphic descriptions to let us know that one's really good and one's really bad, <laughs> Nobody wants to experience the bad and want the good. But Simon still, he had a total wrong view of himself. A total wrong view of the salvation that was being offered that those around him were experiencing. A total wrong view of the Holy Spirit of God working in their midst and who God was and what God was doing. A totally wrong view of sin and its consequences and its effect on him and what he needed to do about it. He was sitting there listening. One of the frustrating things for any preacher of the truth, one of the hardest things in the world is to stand and know in all your weaknesses that you can never, ever, ever truly, it's only, By the Holy Spirit, if anyone anyone can truly come to perceive who Jesus Christ is, it's only through the Holy Spirit that a person can truly understand that they are a sinner, that there are consequences for that sin. That same word, perish. It's not God's will that any should perish. Peter had to say to Simon, Simon, you and your money, you're going to perish. But God says it's not his will that any should perish. But that's a work that when God does it, he does in the heart. So you, you, can, you can come forward and pray in every service. You can come forward in every time that an invitation or an altar call is given. You can make a move. You can do all these external things. You can pray all these external prayers. Salvation is a transformation. Baptism is important, but baptism won't get you any closer to heaven. Baptism is vitally important for every Christian to show their obedience, to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. I told you before, (laughs) you can be baptized you know all the fish by name. Where I used to come from, we said you know all the tadpoles by name because the creeks were filled with with tadpoles. (laughs) But it won't get you any closer to heaven. You can believe. You can be baptized. But you must be born again if it's going to do you any good. What we need to grasp. There's an awful lot of religion in this world. Folks, I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm just saying I know our churches are full of it. And you need to realize people need to be born again. We need to make sure that just as Philip was preaching it and just as Peter was calling it to this man there, We need to give them the truth. We must trust God to do the work. But if you're here this evening, don't get caught in that same trap. Religion won't help you. Religion will take you straight to hell where you can meet Simon the sorcerer face to face probably. Unless a change took place that we don't know about. He did perish as he was told that he would. Because he had an awful lot of external religion in his life but he had nothing on the inside that had changed him. Folks, let's not believe like the devils. Oh, they know. You know, we find that the devils know Jesus very well. Sadly, I'm convinced that a lot of the devils know him better than even a lot of Christians know him. They're more familiar with him. They certainly know him a lot more than anybody in the world knows him. We find that they believed and they trembled. We find in other cases, you know, where that <laughs> men can come along and they can try to do all kinds of things. Well, Jesus himself said, you yeah. know, men are going to come to me in that last day. I said, look what I've done. I've cast out devils in your name. I've done this and I've done that. Jesus will say, depart from me ye that worketh iniquity, I never knew you. Do you know Jesus? I'm not saying do you know about religious things. Do you know about churches? Do you know about all the things that we're supposed to believe? Maybe you even believe in some of those things. But I'm saying, have you believed in your heart? Have you been transformed from the inside out, not from the outside in? because that's what God wants to do for you this evening. But that takes you, first of all, with a right view of yourself. Yes, you are a sinner. And yes, God died for you as an individual to forgive that sin. You need a right view of salvation, and a right view of the Spirit that is only to God's credit that will come and show you in your heart your need and what you can do. You need a right view of sin. Sin will kill you, not just for now, but for all of eternity. The only remedy for it, repentance. Repentance away from your sin and toward Jesus Christ, giving him your life, seeking forgiveness, the only place. Don't play games. Don't play religious games. You've got today. You've got right now. We don't know if we'll ever see each other again in this life or not, but you've got now. Don't pin a false hope. You're worried about what somebody else might think. You're worried about anything else in the world. You're willing to stake your eternity or whatever it is that you're worried about. What is important enough to throw away eternity this evening? You need Jesus Christ. Father, I guess one of the hardest things sometimes, Lord, is to come to the end and say, Amen, that's it, because... That's what you've given me to say. And Lord, we know that there are those listening either here tonight or maybe later by the internet. Lord, they hear this, and they are some of those that maybe have believed like Simon did. They may even have went through baptism like Simon did, but there's never been a transformation in their hearts. Lord, I pray this evening. I pray that those that are here this evening that need to be born again, that need Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, help them, Lord, not to foolishly walk through these doors and leave here tonight knowing that they're not right with you. Help them, Lord. Lord, if the Holy Spirit is plugging at someone's heart and showing them right now, maybe maybe they've had a false security. Maybe they've believed something. Maybe they've prayed something. Maybe they've been baptized. Maybe they've been a member of a church. Maybe they've done lots of things. But... The truth is they've never been transformed. They've never experienced the new birth. Lord, maybe right now your Holy Spirit is trying to plug at their heartstrings and make them be aware of that and do something about it, but maybe pride is keeping them from it or fear or whatever else. Lord, I pray, help them not to foolishly walk through those doors tonight and not respond to your call. Lord, I pray this evening, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us, Lord, that just as Philip did, just as Peter did, Lord, help us to proclaim the truth of your word to all of those around us. Help us, Lord, to never shy away from calling sin, sin, or telling men and women that they need to repent and turn to you. Help us to be the witness we need to be. Work in the lives of each of us here tonight because there's not a one of us that doesn't need your work in our lives. We give you all the praise and all the thanks for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.